Nonprofit Lowdown. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Priya Wong. In this podcast, I recommend a book, tool, tip, podcast, or resource that has helped me to build a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. I've done the research, so you don't have to. All of it is delivered in 50 minutes or less because you don't have time to waste. Let's get started. Today's interview is with Lori Golinski, a dear friend of mine, current entrepreneur-in-residence at the Future Lab, and author of two books, Work on Purpose and Be Bold, Create a Career with Impact. Laura is one of the foremost experts on finding purpose in your work, and I think you'll love this interview as much as I did. It's a little bit longer than previous episodes, but well worth it. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Today, I am here talking with my friend, Larry Galinsky, who is an entrepreneur in residence at the Future Lab, and is also the author of two books, Work on Purpose and Be Bold. She's a dear, dear friend and also a personal hero of mine. Welcome, Lara. Glad to have you. Thank you. Thanks, Ria. So glad to be well, with you. Such oh, an well, honor. It's an honor for me to talk to you. So let's just dive right into it. So I know you are super passionate about purpose and yes. you're someone who I think really leads with heart and with courage. So tell me, what does it mean to work on purpose? Yes. So <laughs> great. I love that you just jumped right we're going. We're going it. deep, and, girl. And, yeah, we're going there. And it's really, it's definitely something that I've It's been important to me in my life and I've come back to it. I literally could, after learning more about purpose and even as a purpose-driven person, learning more about it made me even more aware that led me to make changes in my own life about how I was spending my time and what I was prioritizing. And so I'm back to it, not just in my personal life and how I sort of run my own life, but also how I, my professional life. And so what does it mean to work on purpose? It means what is most meaningful to you and how are you setting goals that align what's most meaningful to you to have contribution beyond you? So one thing, it's like a life aim, right? It's about aligning yourself to all of the things that you care about. Yeah. And working on it just to, to complete the question or the answer, I should say to the question is that it's a, Learning the, first of all, having a deep sense of self. So working on purpose is having a deep sense of self and awareness of one's role in the world and one's aspiration to be able to recognize when you want to make shifts and alterations to go with that which is most meaningful to you. So it's really about developing the skills and competencies and self-confidence and the agency and the hope and optimism that is embedded in building your most powerful impact driven life. That's so powerful. And yet it also (laughs) seems super terrifying. So I think in my Hmm. educational life, and I, I imagine this is true of a lot of folks, is that we have been taught to believe that like we have to choose a career doctor, lawyer, whatever. And so, so often we don't ask ourselves these big audacious questions about what we truly care about. So how would you advise young people who are really at the start of their career to think about what does it mean to find your purpose if, if you've never asked that question of yourself? Yes. I also really appreciate that question. It's actually purpose anxiety is a thing. (laughs) Like it's like a clinical study. It's a thing. I don't think it has to be that it's big, but it doesn't have to be heavy mm. like a balloon. It can mm. elevate. And I think that it's about having a relationship with knowing that whatever you come up with 
is an assessment, not the mm. truth, right? So it, it is creating a light relationship with something that is important. And how do you go about doing it? I think it is around developing answers to mm. questions that you have about yourself. Now I break purpose up. Is this, I can tell you a little bit how I break it Please. up. So it's, it's kind of a way to think about it. And I really go to physics, right? So, so those of you who can remember physics, first of all, I also think that even though you can ask questions earlier in your life, mm-hmm. right? When you're a teen, when you're in college, kind of in big inflection mm-hmm. points, it's interesting that studies have shown that people's interest and purpose spikes around their nine years, right? 19, 29, 39, right before the start of a new oh, decade. Oh, interesting. Um, no, but, but it's never too late to work on purpose. Mm. Never too late. In fact, it dips often in mm. middle age and in, in late age and, and sometimes when you have more choice, right? And later in life, it's in my mind just as important to ask these questions. So going back to physics, I look at purpose there's two definitional access points to developing purpose and it's in you and beyond you that makes you whole. So the first is energy and the second is force. Mm. So energy is your being state. It's your essence. And you know, the definition of, of energy is your capacity for doing work, right? It has so many different forms. There's potential, kinetic, thermal, electrical, chemical, nuclear mm-hmm. energy, right? In physics, energy is a property of matter and space, objects and fields, and can be transferred between objects, but can never be created or destroyed, mm-hmm. right? So it's just, it's just like ever flowing. So can you harness this energy that exists in you to align with who you are, who you want to be, because your affect, who you are, the power of your being matters and has an impact, even if you're doing mm. nothing, right? It's like, like it's like when you when you know someone who walks in a room who who has that kind of energy, that aura, mm-hmm. if you will, you can just feel it, and they haven't really even mm. said anything. And so, that is one side of purpose. The other side of purpose is what I'm calling right now okay. force. Right. So the phys- the definition in physics is that forces any interaction that when unopposed will change the motion of an mm-hmm. object. Right. And so in my mind, purpose, the force energy is a contribution to the world, changing yourself, others and the world around you. And that these two elements, energy and force, are not separate. They are not because it's not just who you are, which is the energy. It's not just what you do, which is the foresight. It's the combination of the two that are pushing and pulling in each other, kind of acting together, vibing, generating waves, if you will, that creates your purpose as this alive, pulsing entity creating you in your life and pushing it forward. And so if you kind of break it down that way, then purpose, you can look at it through again, looking at it through the energy lens and then looking at it through the force lens. So some questions you might want to ask yourself from the energy lens is like, what do you value above all else? Like, what are your most important values? Or what are your deepest held convictions? Feelings are an important part of the energy side of purpose, which is what are your strongest, highest emotions, Mm. right? Not your strongest, most negative emotions, but the ones that are kind of at your most elevated, optimal self. What are those emotions that that are... in you, right? And recognized by others, right? And that's your, that's what you feel. So there's an, I believe aspect, there's an, I feel aspect, and then there's an, I affect Mm. aspect. I affect is about what's emanating from Mm. you. 
When you are in a space, what is felt? When you leave a space, what is left behind? That's your energy side. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is your foresight. So that's a lot around story, Mm. right? Like what are the peak experiences, your inflection points that change the course of your life? That's a big part of purpose. There's also an element of family that's connected to the the force side. What legacy are you carrying on from your, from your Mm. people, from your culture, from your family line, right? You can't separate you from those who come before Mm -hmm. you. It's part of this kind of never ending, hopefully never ending line and circle. Really your role in the world is another element of force. Mm. How do you show up in the world with others? How are you in a group? What, What do you take a stance on? And lastly, and probably in some ways, if I were to make this hierarchical, the most important is what's your contribution? Mm. What lights you up? What are you advancing, investing in, and elevating in this world? So hopefully that's given you a little bit more. (laughs) I'm learning so much right now. This is so, (laughs) there's so many different ways I could go here. One thing though, and this is a little bit of a side note, but I think it's important is I, I tend being an Asian American, I find myself mentoring a lot of young Asian American women millennial women. And I feel like one thing that comes up again and again is that there's a real tension between familial expectation and personal choice. Yes, yes, and yes. And I'm wondering (laughs) if you could speak to that. I mean, I find having, you know, I can only know my own experience as an Asian American person, but there is a very heavy sort of familial expectation around choosing a career that makes money and taking care of, you know, the family and so forth. And that may or may not jive with what I feel like my purpose on this planet is. Can you speak to that? Yes. Love that question. It comes up so much. It comes up a lot around kind of the privilege of being able to go to school Mm -hmm. and then taking care of those who've come before you. And yes. And what the, the vision of what success is, it's so hard to separate ourselves and our sense of selves from one, other people's expectation, and two, just the cultural waters we mm-hmm. swim in, yep. right? They raised us. And yet there's also this feeling that, that people talk about quite a bit about something is mm-hmm. amiss. Like, and sometimes with some deeper exploration, that disconnect between other people's expectations and the cultural upbringing is different than what someone really wants for mm-hmm. their lives. So I think that this is the way I approach it. I Before even someone that I work with is working on, on the actual articulation of purpose, I do think that there's a readying. Mm. And part of the readying is around the unlearning. And that's really about how to be really honest with mm-hmm. yourself. What you do with it often is unfolds over time because there are familiar expectations or just realities that are hard to divorce oneself from. But to get to a point where you're articulating a sense of purpose without acknowledging that deep truth inside Mm -hmm. of you is a lost cause. So I do think that the removing blocks, talking about often the blocks that we have inside ourselves that are not even from outside family Mm -hmm. members, but just like our own saboteurs Mm -hmm. is part of the process. So unlearning happens around, you know, what do people expect of you now? And knowing the difference between the sense of obligation or the actual obligation we have that we are carrying forward, that if not fulfilled, our lives would feel Mm -hmm. empty and those that people place Mm. on us, right? And I think that's that there's a deep knowing that comes from doing some of this work, knowing the difference between Mm. the two. And that's the work. 
Yeah, the, the knowing of oneself. And I, I feel like there's so much about being honest with yourself and allowing the vulnerable truth to emerge. And so I'm wondering if you could yes. speak about fear and purpose, right? Like how, mm. how do you shine the light on those dark places and look at, you know, look at the things that you're afraid of and, and look at what courage you might have to summon in order to create a life that may not be on the beaten path? Right. There's a tremendous connection between relationship with fear and failure, living one's purpose. Mm -hmm. I don't think that unless someone has just, is just totally aligned and is living it and just now has the words to articulate it, I often, the discovery process will reveal some gaps Mm -hmm. and some things that are out of sync. And then it becomes a choice of how to enact Mm -hmm. because at, at its definition, purpose is in action. It is, there are goals that rest underneath it, right? It's a big container for designing your life. Mm, I love that. But I would say that it also energetically can unfold at its right time. Mm. So I like taking the pressure off and letting things sort of happen. Now setting some goals, but goals that feel attainable and within one's reach now. And at the same time, really developing a relationship with fear. I often personify fear with the work that I do with Mm -hmm. people around purpose. Mm -hmm. So like if fear, what is a person, what would he or she, or if it's an entity, it look like, what color is it? Like develop a relationship. And what is fear doing, serving? How is it serving? Mm. Because actually I think we vilify Mm -hmm. fear and I think we vilify blocks or other people's expectation is like good or bad. Mm -hmm. And the, the, what I have found actually it's there as a teacher Mm. and it can, and it can't right. Literally fear helps you stay Mm -hmm. safe. Right. And so it's, but somehow we've applied it to bigger things. Mm -hmm. So how do we know the difference again, between the fear that is keeping you safe and the fear that's holding you back. And then there's often exercises around what's the worst thing that can happen? How can I take, how can I get used to taking risks? Can I try it in a way that feels safe at first and just do it for a few weeks and then see what happens when I'm doing it with a bigger thing? And the, it's just like yoga or meditation is a practice. Mm-hmm. And the more you practice it and it develops its own pathways, right, into your, your body, into your brain, things will naturally consciously and not and sort of subconsciously will unfold at its right Mm, time. I love that. So to switch gears a little bit, I'm just wondering what your take is about sort of the where we are on the level of human consciousness and the fact that we are living in such tumultuous times. Like it's, it's interesting personally, obviously I've had a lot of fear and anxiety about the world we're living in. And yet at the same time, I'm having more conversations with people about purpose and some higher meaning. And I, and I wonder if these two things are connected. What do you think? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a big question. I love that question. Yeah. I think that, there's a, some schools of thought that say that in moments of great change, you see it mm. all, right? You see the extreme challenge and you, then you also see the extreme opportunity for new levels of consciousness and values and vertical development and 
a deeper relationship with kind of the oneness, the connections between us all. And I like to take the optimistic route in the midst of lots of challenges. It does create entities for exploration and purposeful, deliberate, proactive action. Mm -hmm. And that is just a good. Yeah. And, and, And also, if you look at it from the kind of long view of history, it's like there's, it's like, our lives are our ebbs and flows of moments where we're really rocking and other rocking it and other moments where it's rocky, yep. right? And it's back and forth and, you know, it gets back into sync and sometimes it takes time. I think you can look at that from kind of the history of our nation, the history of the world, kind of ebbs and flow moments. So maybe we're in an ebb mm. moment and it will flow and all that we cultivated in this ebb will contribute to the flow. Yeah. I'm curious if that made any sense. No, I mean, I I, I 100% agree. Actually, I think a lot about the Hindu goddess Kali, and she is Mm. both the goddess of destruction and rebirth. Mm. Right, holding paradoxes. Right, and sometimes, I don't know, it feels like maybe we have to live through this in order to see a new rebirth of our political landscape and how we are with each other. And, yes. um, or, you know, being from California, I think about the wildfires and how yes. sometimes like the forest doesn't need to get burned down in order for the new trees to take root. Mm. So I don't know if that's overly optimistic, but it's what I'd like to believe because it, it gets me through the day. Right. It reminds me of a, uh, the mantra you just brought up, Hindu goddess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ka- yeah. Goddess of mm-hmm. Kali. So the Hindu goddess of Kali it reminds me of sort of like a mantra from Arjuna mm. um, who said something that's loosely translated as plunge into the din of battle, but keep your heart by the lotus flower of the divine. Oh, I love that. Right. Yeah. Right. Stay centered and present, but don't let people walk over yep. you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. But it's so funny. I, I've been thinking a lot about it. I just saw that wonderful documentary about Mr. Rogers. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. No, uh, but I've heard that it's extremely It's moving. so good. I was I was sobbing on the plane watching it. You'll love it. You'll <laughs> love it. But I, it just, it makes me remember that at the core of this enterprise that we call Earth, it is just like, we just have to be kind to each other. Yeah. Kindness, not nice. Yeah. Right? Kindness comes from deep within. Yeah. And yeah. also holding space for people, right? I think that's what yeah. Mr. Rogers did. He he created this world where children felt safe. Right. And you can't, in high, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't go from one level to the other without having a baseline covered. Yeah. And so safety is everything. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. And lots of people don't feel safe. They might feel physically mm-hmm. safe. And many of them don't, but some might feel physically safe, but not emotionally safe. Right. And then what? Like, how do you get to a point where you can assert your thoughts, your views or opt in, put yourself forward or state your opinion or take a bold action if you don't feel safe? It's really hard. It's psychologically hard on so many levels. So how would you characterize the, the difference between safety and discomfort? Because I often think. Yeah in order to find your purpose, it is uncomfortable, right? It's doing something that isn't, that feels different, but it's not unsafe, but for some people can interpret it as unsafe. So like, what's the 
difference yeah. and how do you know? Yeah. It, <laughs> once again, an amazing question, Ria. <laughs> right. So I think deep work is uncomfortable by definition mm-hmm. or else it wouldn't be deep because deep work, you're challenging stuff mm-hmm. and most notably yourself and your role in the world. And so that is disarming mm-hmm. for many. And yet at the same time, I think safety comes from besides the physical safety, mm-hmm. right? I will not be hurt or punished for my actions, right? We talk a lot about organizational space around psychological mm-hmm. safety, right? Like you can't thrive as a team without psychological mm-hmm. safety, all the extraordinary work on that, which is so important and foundational for a good, strong workplace mm-hmm. and collaborative teams. But I think that safety on kind of a psychological level it is feeling like not being, it's, it's this notion of knowing that you will not suffer, mm-hmm. I guess, or be punished because mm-hmm. of it even if it feels disorienting or uncomfortable, right? And discomfort is, is temporary mm, yeah. as you're sort of working through things and not feeling safe is that next level of long-term ramification mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah, That was sort of a botched answer. <laughs> that's sort of the, the way I think. No, I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good answer because it's like, how can I put myself out there in a way that might feel uncomfortable, but is not unsafe in the sense of like yes. punitive? Like, yes, I welcome discomfort. Right. You're on to something. It's like, whoa, thermometer indicator. Right. Like you, you just moved from one space to another space because what you knew to be true is now shifting, mm-hmm. right? That's discomfort, mm-hmm. but unsafe. It's, it's, you can't even move from place to place because it's extreme. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so many questions, but <laughs> is it possible for one's purpose to change over time? The researchers have different points of view on this mm-hmm. question. I, so I'll tell you my personal point mm-hmm. of view. I think that just like our self-concept, there's sort of like a knowing at the highest mm-hmm. level, right? And, and when you talk about purpose, it really is at that highest level. Mm-hmm. One of the definitions of purpose is a stabilized and general intention, which means like high mm-hmm. order, right? So I think at the high order, like at the highest point in the mountain, mm-hmm. the peak, mm-hmm. it's pretty stable. Mm. The expressions of it, the kind of sub-purposes mm-hmm. shift as you shift, mm-hmm. as you gain new experiences and feel, as you were saying earlier, the discomfort of change. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can have different purposes over your lifetime that are sub-purposes, but your kind of highest, as I was talking about the definition, your highest energy Mm -hmm. is probably pretty stable. Mm -hmm. And then some elements of your force are stable, but some of the sub-ones might be through a particular role you take or might shift if you become a parent, Mm -hmm. right? So it's... I think unrealistic to think it doesn't shift. I think, in fact, it beautifully shifts. And that's what makes it a construct, a concept that can in some ways feel less and less heavy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, it's like, oh, it grows with us. Right. <laughs> so that there are like, I'm almost thinking about it, like you have a North Star, but then you have like different shifting constellations around the North Star that you're aiming for. 
I don't know. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but yes, right. Well, people talk about purpose as a ray of light, mm. as opposed to a point, mm-hmm. and the points are really those goals, mm. right? That can be achieved. And purpose is aspirational. It's maybe it's 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 likely never fully achieved because it's that big. Yeah, I always think about that great Greek saying of happiness is striving for your highest potential. Yeah, and I interesting. And I, yeah. I think a lot about, you know, happiness and purpose is not a destination, but rather yeah. the journey of. Yeah, right. And we're so, so obsessed as a society of being happy, yeah. which is ironically makes people feel unhappy, yeah. right? Because you get hooked on this pleasure, which feels like this constant chase, right? Mm-hmm. And then they also found that, psychologists have found that that happiness is associated with being quote unquote, a taker mm. while, while purpose is more associated with being a giver. Oh, is that the, the Adam Grant stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it could yeah. be, I actually don't know exactly, but I, right. It does sound like Adam Grant. And so people who live with high levels of meaning are often seeking out meaning, even if it comes at the expense of happiness. Mm. Yeah. I guess I'm just articulating. There's an interesting relationship between purpose and happiness. Yeah. Which reminds me, I should reread Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I've been meaning to do that. Yeah, right. That's in some ways he's the godparent of meaning and purpose. Yeah. And he really, he really, he well, one, he created the whole sort of psychology around it, meaning that logotherapy and humanistic work, I think, is connected to him. Mm-hmm. Or humanistic psychology, existential therapy. Mm-hmm. But he also... His, a a lot of what he talked about, I think this again is exactly why you brought it up, is that suffering may come in your life and it actually connects, can connect very much to meaning, which gives you the force to live through Mm -hmm. it. Exactly right. Exactly right. That there is something more to life than a search for happiness, but rather a search for meaning. Right. And for those of you who haven't read Man's Search for Meaning, he chronicles his observation while in the in the camps in the hall during the Holocaust why some people were gave up mm-hmm. right? and and just had no hope at all and while others were living in the same con- terrible horrible conditions had this kind of steely will to live despite their potential future mm-hmm. and that really helped him and his sort of steely will to live is that he had a book that he was in the midst of writing when he was put in the camp. And that was his reason to be. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he came up with this, this idea of logotherapy, which again is this notion that a man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears toward a human being who affectionately waits on him for unfinished work will never be able to throw away his life. And he was famously said, said he who knows the why for his existence will be able to bear almost anyhow. Mm. And that creates a lot of discomfort for people because people then associate meaning with suffering. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the intention. There is sort of a relationship between them that is actually can be empowering. Mm-hmm. I'm going to switch gears again a little bit. I mean, I, I've known you for a couple of years now and yeah. I have such deep respect <laughs> for you. I think you're one of the wisest people I know. And I'm just wondering, like, what is your purpose and how did you find it? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. So in my 
being so okay so let me back up so I spent the bulk of my career at this amazing organization called Equine Green and I got sparked on the journey of purpose development through working at Equine Green which is in the field of social entrepreneurship so we identify extraordinary people who have big bold ideas to address society's biggest ills and provide them with seed funding and technical support and wraparound services and so the, while I was there for over a decade, I was surrounded by people who looked at problems in the world and didn't turn away like most of mm-hmm. us, but instead said, you know what, I have a thing to, to do about this problem and I'm going to dedicate a good chunk of my life and my time and my talents and my treasure and all that to addressing this challenge. And I really got interested in this, like, who are these people who don't turn away and where are they, where are they getting their motivations from? And that led me to sort of be curious about purpose. And I literally started Googling it one late night Mm -hmm. and I came across a book called Path to Purpose by Dr. Bill Damon, Mm -hmm. who runs the Center for Adolescence at Stanford University. And that night I cold emailed him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And within a few weeks, I was so super lucky to be on a plane in his office. Amazing. um, On a plane to Palo Alto, I should say. And in his office, a few hours later, talking to him about this. And I, that was it. I was just hooked because now I, I then realized that there was a study and research, like lots and lots and lots and lots of really extraordinary research that showed the connection between all basically the things that we want in our life, well-being and health and living a long life and having connection to our work in the world and engagement and deeper relationships were, was correlated with purpose in your mm. life. And I was like, oh my gosh, if, given the, the results of all these studies done by so many different institutions at different times, why didn't people have more of it? Mm-hmm. That's a long way of saying that it was working with social entrepreneurs that sparked me on this journey. Ended up writing the book, as you noted earlier, called Work on Purpose. And now I'm back at mm. it, back at working on this issue through some entrepreneurial work that I'm doing with the Future Project and, and Future Laboratories. My own expression of purpose, the energy side of it, I would, I would sum up as the glow of compassionate love. Mm. Um, I believe that if I look at all the virtues in the world, my connection and belief system around love as being the highest mm-hmm. one that lots of all the other extraordinary virtues cascade from. And so I strive to be one who lives through that lens. Mm. And then my fourth side the way I'm expressing that now is supporting people to live their highest lives. Mm. And so some of this work is sort of nestled underneath that. And I did this purpose work through some self-discovery work. I also worked with a coach. I'm now a coach who helps people work on their own purpose. I'm doing some training for people developers around purpose, which is the entrepreneurial work that I'm doing right now. It just feels like the right work to be doing at this moment in society and for my own Yeah, it's so inspirational. Can you tell me a little bit about how having found your purpose and doing all of this inquiry about, you know, in self and, and the development of others has informed you as a parent? I know you have a, a little one and yes. I think, it, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's super. I think about that all the time. In fact, while pregnant, I wrote out some thoughts about parenting and purpose mm. as sort of a prep before I knew what, what my life would be like. And it's really been a mainstay for me to look back at or, or a 
itself, it's really been a source of comfort and affirmation to look back at those words because in many ways, my understanding of my role in his life comes from a place of living out my purpose Mm. and at the same time creating the conditions for him to do the same over his, as he develops and grows, right? He's only five now. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of allowance around him being who he is and me providing safety and love and support and the experiences for him to discover that which is most um, poignant and meaningful for him. And at the same time, like most parents, I get frustrated and I fumble, but, and I get angry too often or whatever negative things happen, (laughs) happen frequently enough for me to then say, oh, let me go back Mm. to the glow of compassionate love. And my understanding of allowance, of the, the kind of the energy that comes from the allowing of just him unfolding who he is, mm-hmm. that helps me disrupt some of my automatics. Yeah. So it really deepened my self sense of purpose. It became higher stakes in many mm-hmm. ways. It does matter to me more. And at the same time, it provided me with a real life test, if you mm-hmm. will, like a test in the most beautiful way of living it out mm-hmm. and disrupting it at the same time. Mm, I love that. Disrupting, disrupting sort of the, the blocks. You, you know, we talked about the blocks of other people's views and society. And like, we all have blocks that happen often, right? It's not like you find your purpose and all of a sudden it's like rainbows <laughs> and a path opens, right? Like, right? Oh! It's like, it's in practice, right. right? It's in practice. And purpose becomes a way from, to remind me back to that, that higher place. So just to take the devil's advocate position for a second, because I know I, I speak to a lot of folks who are on the path of finding purpose. And I think there's like this deep fear of like, I know what my purpose is. And I'm also terrified that if I pursue it, I'm going to end up homeless, you know, by the side of the road, not yeah, being able to pay right. my rent, you know, given that there are, there are financial realities that we all have to face. Yeah. And so what would you say to that? Like, what if I decide that my purpose is like to, to create art, but right. that may not, you know, pay my rent. Right. I think that, okay. So I think there's an element of romanticism that comes with the con- the way we use purpose mm-hmm. currently, which is like, Oh, like my dream life is living on a boat off of Aix-en-Provence. And, that is my you know? dream life. <laughs> Funny you should mention that actually. <laughs> Right. I don't even know if it's X, maybe Captain T or, or Nice or some, or Marseille. You know, I'm, I'm um, anyway. any boat in a sunny place, but anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. And yet I think that most people who have an element of beyond the self and have thought a little bit about purpose are actually closer to it than they think they are. So that's the first point mm-hmm. is sort of kind of eliminating the romanticism mm-hmm. that is often born from escapism. Mm, so true. Yeah. And then the second piece is around the practical, like how do I pay for it, yeah. right? So there's always schools of thought of like, live your passion first and then the money will follow. And then people will say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard <laughs> of because, you know, I'm in debt and had to file for bankruptcy because of right, that. Right, right. So I think there's no blanket answer for one person. I will say that, part of setting goals is ensuring that they're goals that make sense for your life. Mm. 
And goals are an element that are underneath purpose. There's so many different ways to express it. I also think that there's this conception that purpose needs to be what you get paid for Mm -hmm. only. And I do think that that is indeed you want to spend most of your time doing things that feel good. And in fact, there's also research that shows that people who have days where they're living out things connected to their purpose feel better than the days where they're not. Mm -hmm. So So in real time, that makes a lot of sense. But I also think purpose is what you, right, the force you play in other domains. It could be through your family life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be your job. And here's the other thing that's super interesting around the kind of enactment of purpose. There's often ways in which to bring it to life in your current life. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, the kind of all or nothing, the... I need to do it fully. The kind of pressures we put on ourselves to have it immediate and big take away from some some of the subtleties that will gather in strength and let it naturally emerge more organically. And so I would say that often people who have a connection between what they do, no matter what they do, if they're cleaning floors, if they are teaching students, if they are building buildings, if they are working in a, in a store as a waiter, waitress, that often they can make a connection between their purpose and their work, Mm. that it doesn't have to be defined so narrowly. Do you believe that once we find our purpose and are able to start to live our purpose out in ways that the, the, the universe or some energy conspires in order to (laughs) unfold a path before us. It's funny. (laughs) Right. I'm still figuring out my belief system about the universe, Uh (laughs) (laughs) but I will say that I do think that energetically like attracts like and how that we do have a choice, you know, I'm putting my coaching hat on. We do have a choice about the attitudes we take mm-hmm. and the, 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 or we do have a choice about even our beliefs and then how that connects to our emotions and how that all dials up to the actions we take. And that, that does create more of the stuff that we want. Mm-hmm. So if we're stuck, we're off, often stuck in our beliefs that then connect to emotions that then connect to the actions. And it's so subconscious that disrupting it take some time and work and um, attention. And so I do think that in the spirit of coincidences and crazy things that kind of happen, I do think that I do believe that is energy at play. And it goes back to why I use physics terms to describe purpose mm-hmm. as energy and force, because it's, it's the energy that is, has been created that's coming back to you. Right. Absolutely. So last question, because I, I know we have to yeah. wrap up, but can you give us some concrete like practices that you would recommend to for folks to help think about pra- purpose, whether it's, I don't know if you would recommend like meditation or a yoga practice yeah. or some, you know, tactical things that people can start to think about? Sure. I think that one of the most powerful things that people can do to live and design their life from a place of purpose is to start to notice how they think and feel about certain things in their life, Mm -hmm. right? So just create like an observer curiosity 
stance as you're walking through life. I just, it's relatively easy. It's relatively painless just to see when you feel lit up, mm. right? Again, that's the energy at play. When do you feel lit up? And, and, and can I start tracking the data mm-hmm. to understand if there's some patterns? And that's relatively light and easy to do. And I do think that the next level is starting to talk about it, mm. starting to talk about it in particular with others, others you trust. One of the favorite things I like to do is to ask or that I recommend people to do is, is interview people who knew you growing up, mm. right? Right. And ask them about what I was like and what interests I had. I think there's some real amazing reflections that can come from that level of looking back from other people's eyes, mm-hmm. right? It's like a beautiful self-concepting exercise. I do think on a deeper level and a more intensive level, you can get a coach. Mm. There are purpose coaches out there. We can design experience where you create a group mm. of you and, and get a facilitator who can work with you on doing some of the exercises that are deeper. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a level of removing blocks that I think are really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that understanding some of those automatics and under thoughts and some of those part, you know, what we call parts mm-hmm. of us that keep us down. I think it's really helpful to kind of highlight those first mm-hmm. because it does, a, it makes it that much easier to be open and honest mm-hmm. about purpose. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I, I have an analogy I like, which is like, you have to clean your house. We're just yeah. sort of a, you know, removing blocks and looking at what serves and, yeah. you know, Letting go of what Clean, doesn't make that bed. Yeah, make the bed. Right? Like, like go like, to the sure attic that that and like <laughs> unpack so stuff. Like when, you haven't right. worn that dress since 1970. Let it go. Like get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Someone else will wear it. Right. So I'm gonna um, link to some of the resources we talked about. How can folks find you if they're interested in engaging you as a coach or learning more about the work that you're doing? Sure. So me personally, laragalinsky.com. Okay. I will make sure to link yep. to that in the notes. <laughs> Thank you. There's, I, right now my work is in partnership with the future project.org, mm-hmm. the future project. And then I'm also partnered with future laboratories, which is future.com. Okay. Well, I'll make sure we link to those in the show notes and all of the resources. And Laura, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great thank conversation. You. And hopefully really appreciate it. Of course. And hopefully I'll see you soon. So I'll, I'll send you all of the, when everything is complete, I'll send you the link. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, love. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.